Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name is Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined by fellow consultant Liana Sangster. Hey, Liana. Hi, Dom. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining. Today, we're going to talk about our impact diagnostics, so leadership impact and management impact, what they are, why someone might do them, and how does it kind of work. And it's really aimed at you know people who might be doing, they're just about to start a impact program and get their own results back and get coaching around that. So what can they expect? What's it all about? How does that sound? Sounds great. So, so, you know, starting from the top then, what is impact? And we mentioned that there's leadership impact and management impact. So what is it? Why are there two of them? Mm. Let's start with what is impact. It is, as it sounds, I've heard it described as the shadow you cast. So as a leader or manager, what people do as a result of your behavior. Mm. A little bit different from LSI 2, your actual behavior. This is what others feel they need to do in order to work in with you. Okay. So it's not measuring how do I behave as a leader, but it's how do other people behave as a result of my leadership? Mm. And it's, I think it's a really important one because if you have a symbolic title or role where you are responsible for people or you're identified as a role model, leader, manager, whatever that is, you already have a significant impact, don't you, on, on the people that report into you perhaps mm. because you're a decision maker of sorts. So we want to understand with that clout or with that seniority, what is it that your leadership or management style is actually causing others to do and is it working? And because ultimately as a leader, as a manager, it's about getting stuff done with and through people. Yes. Right? Well, I can't do everything as the leader. So how, what behaviours are we encouraging in others because that's how we actually get stuff done as yeah. leaders. So is that effective or not? And if you sat down with a manager or a leader and it could be at a barbecue on the weekend and you ask them how they're going and what's sort of frustrating your, what's going well for you right now, I can guarantee to you they'll tell you things that are frustrating them about either what their direct reports or their peers are doing. And that for me is always really interesting because that's what you have direct control over. To a degree, you have control over that. You have an impact that. on it. Yep. You have an impact on it. So there's always something that they will tell you they would like people to be doing differently. And that's where impact is so useful, I think. So Liana, we talked about that there's leadership impact and management impact. So why are there two? Mm. Why are there two different ones? There are two because they are two different groups that theoretically should be doing different things. So they may or may not be, but in theory yeah, they should be. So what's the difference? And well, if we use the famous Peter Drucker quote that management is about doing things right and leadership is about making sure we're doing the right things. When we get into leadership impact, we're really working with a cohort of people that are responsible for setting strategy, Mm -hmm. uh, amongst other things. And then managers are more of the tactical getting things done. And so whilst it's a pretty powerful tool for an individual to think about what is the impact I'm having on others, it can be a pretty useful diagnostic tool to be using in your organization to help leaders and managers start to differentiate between where they're spending their time. Mm. If you think about that the famous balcony and dance floor analogy. Uh-huh. If, well, if, I don't know that one. Go, you don't? No, tell us. <laughs> so if you need to be able to be on the balcony in order to see what's going on, on the dance floor. The whole idea is if we spend too much time on the dance floor or in the weeds as a senior executive or a leader, 
it's difficult to spend time in both places effectively, yeah, right? Gotcha. So you kind of need to, and there's multiple reasons why you might be doing that. You might find yourself on the dance floor occasionally and that's part of life. But if too frequently, if you're getting into the weeds, into the detail, it either hampers the ability for your managers to do their job with autonomy. It might send the message that, that you don't trust them mm. and or you may not be paying attention to the, the bigger picture. Right. So what's the impact you're having if yes. you're doing that? Yeah. Okay. And so on, on the quote that they do different things, right? And so one's at more strategic level, one's more at the execution of the strategy kind of level. And one of the differences between the impact diagnostics we have and the lifestyles inventory, which people might be more familiar with, which measures thinking and behavior, is that this is a bit more prescriptive, right? And that it, says, it looks at what are the things that leaders actually do and what are the things that managers actually do that cause this impact, right? So it's actually you know, quite practical or pragmatic, like this is the stuff leaders do. And if we you know, do it one way, we're going to have one impact. And if we do it another way, we're going to have an- another impact. Mm. So what, what are the other differences maybe with, with impact tool? and the lifestyles inventory? Because people are probably more familiar with that one yeah. in general. Well, obviously, we have the circumplex in it, so it's that's the consistent theme. You've got the, you know, there's a circumplex that gives you data on how you're encouraging people to behave. But the key difference, I think, with an impact tool is that you have a set of approaches or strategies that you can deploy, and those approaches and strategies will give you an insight into what is causing the impact you're having. Mm-hmm. So perhaps you might be spending too much time closely monitoring the work of others, for example, and that mm. might be causing people to create some perfectionistic tendencies, for example, or maybe uh-huh. they're avoiding and withdrawing in certain scenarios. Or you might be not spending enough time doing positive recognition and that might be causing a different behavior. So you've got a whole set of strategies that will give you information on why you're creating that impact and also which lever, which impact can I either dial up, sorry, which strategy I can dial up or dial down in order to shift if I want to move the behaviors and of others. I think that's the... One of the great things about it is it's got that cause and effect kind of model, yeah. right? So it's a diagnostic in that sense that if we want to change the outcome, the behavior we're creating and others, the impact, here are the things we can do differently, right? It kind of identifies those four people, which is pretty cool. It sort of shortcuts a lot of the reflection time, I think, that's in yeah. LSI 1 and 2. Yeah, totally. So why use the impact diagnostic? Like, what do we get out of it? It's a very rich data set. So one of the things I love about the tool is that you can have this measure done and then you could really be working on a few things over the course of two years. This is not, you know, there's sort of 10 strategies in leadership impact. There's roughly 15, I think, in management. And so the idea is that this is a kit with things you're going to learn, strategies you're going to deploy throughout the course of your life as a mm. leader or manager. So mm. it's pretty rich in terms of its data set. Mm. Why use it over and above LSI 1 and 2? I think clients really like to build beyond LSI 1 and 2, so they can use it as a build. Mm. You know, they feel like they've exhausted everything out of the behavioral element. Now they want to get into some more detail around Yeah. Impact. And I, I, what can be interesting, because in LSI 2, which is measuring our behavior, how people perceive our behavior, you know, I might be kind of an aggressive manager, for instance, right? I want to, like, tell people what to do. The impact I have might be to drive people to be followers, right? So they're really passive and hang back and wait to be told what to do. Yeah. So while my behavior might come out aggressive or red in circumplex terms, 
the impact I have might come out passive. Yes. Right? Because that could be the behavior I'm driving in others. So it's kind of interesting to see, well, how am I actually causing them to behave? Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's a, it's a good point, right? Because you could look at that behavior and think I'm okay with that. But if the outcome is you're creating a lack of confidence in people and over-reliance on you, on you as a leader, perhaps you're creating uncertainty or, or people withdrawing and not telling you the full truth, once you see it, in that regard, you go, oh, hold on, uh-huh. maybe it's not actually how effective is <laughs> going that? to help me if this is what we're creating in others. Yeah, I kind of feel like there's less, I call it less wriggle room in impact because uh-huh. it's hard to argue with some of those behaviours that get created. You yes. Do, generally, they don't want them. Yes. And so th- that's an interesting element. So leaders identify the kind of impact they want to have is one of the things we actually ask them. What's the yes. impact you want to have versus the feedback from others, which is what's the impact you do have? Actually, that's a key point. In the survey, you're getting them to design what are the behaviours first. So they're, they're setting the goal, if you like. Yes, exactly. And then seeing where they're at. Why else do it? As a metric, I would say impact is closer to culture. It's not the same as culture. But if you're in a larger organisation and you want to collate the data into kind of a macro lens, so let's say you put 50 or 60 people through, you can start to get a bit of an idea as to what some of the behaviours are that your leaders and managers might be cultivating in others creating? at a collective level. So it's not a culture measure. It's definitely not a culture measure, but it is. You might start to give you a bit of an indication around what could be cultural norms in your business if you have enough data. That is another reason why. And they, they go together so well, don't they? Because you know leaders have a massive impact on culture, as we know. Yeah. And so, so the behaviours I'm creating and the people around me, right, is yeah. the start of that influence. Well, the impact is how am I encouraging people to behave? Mm. And culture is how people are expected to behave. How, yeah, so it's sort of it's close. If you're doing a culture change in your organisation, impact is a nicely aligned metric, I would say, to go along with it. Beauty. Okay, so if that's what it is and and why we do it, how does it work? If I'm a leader, I'm just about to do a program in a couple of weeks' time, and I'm listening to this. What can I kind of expect? So it's very similar to LSI in the early stage in terms of getting feedback. So you would nominate the 12 people for feedback. You really need to be at a manager level or a leadership level in order to do the tool. So it wouldn't really be useful if you didn't have people reporting into you, I would say is an important feature there. So you would nominate 12 people as you would LSI for feedback. And I think the important thing with impact is that you do choose people that have regular enough contact with you because there's a lot of questions that are being asked around the frequency with which you deploy different strategies. Mm. And so it can be, even though in itself it's always interesting if people that you work closely with aren't able to respond to the survey items, I think it's worthwhile really thinking through who's able to respond to them because of the detail you're asking them to complete. Who's going to give you meaningful feedback that you can action? Yeah. You know, that's how I always think about it. The person you see once a quarter or something. Maybe they can't give you that much meaningful feedback. It would be difficult feedback. for them to complete it. Yeah. So it's the same in that you want a, a broad spread. You want a high-level manager. You want your peers to be providing you with feedback, and you also want your direct reports or any other stakeholders. So it's a great point. So we can invite different people, and we can put them into groups. So we might see what's the impact we have on our high-level manager, what's the impact on our peers, what's the impact on our direct reports, or another. Mm. Now, to maintain people's confidentiality in those groups, there has to be at least three respondents apart from the higher level manager. So we'll separate them out on their own. But for the other groups, um, there's got to be at least three of them. And so 
it's just kind of a confidentiality thing, right? That that they're going to give you straight up feedback for that. Yeah, which means you need to nominate four. Which means in reality, you need three responses. You need to ask four people yeah. or something like that, right? Because one may not do it totally. What about confidentiality for the person actually going through it mm-hmm. to the participant themselves? So it's exact same principles apply. You have your data set that comes to the coach and that data is then you'll be taken through the data in its entirety over the course of probably about a two and a half hour session. So they're a little bit longer. But that data set is then yours to own and it has so much rich data in it that really you could use that for the next year practicing different approaches, Mm. year, two years. But it's completely confidential. There's no obligation to share that data with anyone else. So the same principles apply to... So I think that's a big point, right? It's your report. Yeah. And it doesn't get sent to the boss or to, you know, personnel records or whatever it is. It's your report. It's about self-development. You know, that's the idea. So you and your coach will sit down, talk through it, discuss it, but it's kind of yours to take away. Yeah. You know, so it's not for selection. It's not for promotion. It's not for whatever. It's about development. Beautiful. And so, okay, so they've, they've invited 12 people to give them feedback. They've put them in different groups. They do this all through the website. The other bit we mentioned earlier was they complete their own ideal. So what's the impact I want to have on people mm-hmm. that report to me or people I work with? And then other people are giving us feedback on what's the actual impact we have on them. Mm. Okay, so we've done that. We've filled out the forms. We've then talked about the debrief, which might be a, f- a couple of hours, two and a half hours. What's next? Well, what next is what I like to do with my clients is actually identify up front what, what they'd like to see different, you know, in the people around them, if they're, what are some of their key challenges? Because the idea is that you can end a session and you can have some very clear goals around what you'd like to be encouraging more of in terms mm. of the behaviours in your people. It might be that you start with the direct reports or maybe you start with your peers. So clear on what behaviours you want to encourage more of and then clear on what you're going to start trying differently. It is that clear. It's a, it's a slightly different model to awareness, acceptance, action of LSI 1 and 2. You might still need a follow-up session and we'd encourage you to do that. But you can get quite clear at the end of the session, particularly if your client is familiar with the tool before, if they've done LSI 1 and 2, they can start to get you know pretty prescriptive, to use your term, around what they can start doing differently. Mm. Yeah, so what is the... It comes out saying, what are the few things I'm actually going to do more of or less of or whatever it is to move forward? Beautiful. So it's really having that action plan. And as you mentioned, there's a depth of information in there that can keep you going, you know, for a year or two years. But start with a couple. Yeah. You know, start with one or two things. Nail those. Then, you know, revisit as necessary. Beautiful. Thanks for your time today, Liana. I hope that helped out anyone If you're just about to go through Leadership Impact, we wish you well. You know, from my point of view, it's just about being curious, right? What does it tell me? You know, how could I be more effective? How could I encourage more effective behaviours in others? And if you take a curious mindset into it, you'll no doubt get something out of it. Yeah, it's never ending, this growth thing, isn't it? It's never ending. We're doing it every day. That's it. All right. All the best for people going out and doing it. Thanks, Liana. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, 
email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.